They're like, listen. Hey. Listen, <laughs> you're being recorded. It, it felt like she was telling me to go to my room or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, she probably was like, make sure you have on pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've gotten so much feedback about people sitting in these things without pants. Put on your pants. At the nerve, right? I'm not brave enough to do that. Not at all. <laughs> Lord, give me that kind of confidence. <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're back. <laughs> hello, hello. Hey, I'm Sarah, and that's Hector. And we have a friend with us today. It's Hi. Katie. It's Katie. <laughs> Man, I'm so honored to be with y'all. I can't believe that I've never seen either of you on like a Zoom before. I feel like I know y'all, but it's only been on Twitter. Yeah, our faces are just, they're moving like no one's business on Zoom. But in our profile pics, it's just like, meh. Yep. Holding still. For people who can't see Hector, he did a, a an amazing pose. <laughs> you look like you're frozen, but you're not. You're really talented at that, Hector. <laughs> just staying still. He can hold still like, like a pro. <laughs> It's because I had to hide. I had to hide. When I don't want to be found, I just go hide. Oh, excellent. I didn't know that was a thing, but now I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, tell me who you are. Oh, my. Uh, Well, my name is Katie Crosby. You can find me on Twitter at Crosby underscore Katie. Let's see. I am an aunt. I love being an aunt. I'm a social worker. I work with uh, at-risk youth. I am a sometimes writer. You know, I still have trouble claiming that one, but I I claim it anyways. And I'm a Jesus follower. I love Jesus, passionate about following him and passionate about helping the vulnerable because I follow him. Awesome. Um, You said you're on Twitter. Are you on other um, platforms that you want that you wouldn't mind if people found you on or uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question uh yeah i am i'm on instagram at katie underscore crosby i am mainly on twitter but you know friends have have asked me to be more active and sharing my thoughts on instagram so i'm i'm trying to do better at that but yeah it can be a struggle boss sometimes yeah you prefer you prefer twitter then I love Twitter. I love that on Twitter, you can just, you don't have to deal with the graphics and making things look pretty. It's just simply words. And I'm so passionate about words. I don't, I don't, I get kind of overwhelmed with Instagram when you have to make it really eye catching and pretty and do all this extra work. I'd much rather just write something out and send it off into the universe. Then I, I think it's fair to say you're not like a sometimes writer. You're like a regular writer. You just write short little bits. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I I I love to do that when I can. I would love to write more. My margin is just kind of slim right now. And so yeah. Yeah. Well, I I know you and Hector knows you from Weird Christian Twitter. And but not everybody knows what Weird Christian Twitter is. And until like six months ago, I didn't know what Weird Christian was. 
um, because I I just joined Twitter recently. So that's where we know you from. Can you give us a little background as to what that is? Sure. Yeah. Well, like my friend Aaron Duvall says, it's kind of like throwing jello at a wall and trying to get it to stick with trying to define it. But I can give a little bit of the background of it. Um, I I think it weird Christian Twitter means different things to different people. Um, <laughs> for me, the thing I love about it is I I feel like we try to emphasize commonalities and common ground and common interests, even just silly silly takes or bonding over shows or or food or whatnot, and then theology is kind of like a sub point like I love that it's not the actual point and so we come first with our humanity and um, just what makes us who we are and obviously theology can be a a huge part of that but it can also be really divisive Um, so that's kind of my my definition of it do you want me to give some of like the history of it with the list and all that yeah yeah give a little history of it okay okay so um it's kind of an accidental community that formed during a pandemic. And so last, I believe it was last May, maybe an article, a Christianity Today article came out on weird evangelical Twitter. And it just had a bunch of, um, it it covered a, a bunch of people who are Christians online and just being silly and, you know, kind of using humor as a coping mechanism with some weird things that go on oh. <laughs> within Christianity. And I, I feel like people kind of really bonded around that. And it wasn't really a, a, officially a thing. I don't even know if it's still like officially a thing, but around July, I tweeted out a post and I was really nervous about tweeting this. I felt like no one was going to respond. I really struggled with are people going to think this is stupid? Just an idea came to be spur of the moment. And I, I kind of took a deep breath and just tweeted it out. And I said, would anybody be interested in following a list of Christians who are interested in making friends on here? And at that time, I had maybe six or 700 followers. And so I expected the list to cap it. 50 people max, like that would have been like amazing for 50 people online to be like, here are 50 people who love Jesus and they want to meet people from different places and get to know one another. And that tweet had about a hundred responses and, you know, it was kind of overwhelming for me. Um, and so all of a sudden just started adding people to this list. And about a month later, I was really scared that I had let a few slip through the cracks. And so I put out another tweet and I was like, surely like a hundred people responded to that. I'll just get like maybe five or 10 more, you know, and that way I'm not leaving anybody out. Well, 890 people responded (laughs) and it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, I think I've touched a nerve here. Not a nerve, like a good one of like, people are stuck in their homes right now and people want to connect. And so It was a reminder for me at that very first post when I was scared to post something, I really thought, do people want to connect with me? Like we, we all want connection, but I think we also fear being rejected. And so it was a really good lesson for me of just like, everybody wants to be connected. Everybody's really scared of coming across as stupid or, you know, a bad idea or something. And so anyways, I, I, 
I manually added a thousand people to the list. Um, and it was, it, it, it just, again, I think was a reminder, people are hurting. People are in the middle of a pandemic and there's a lot going on within the church that I think people get online and are just seeking, am I the only one feeling this way? And so there was a lot going on. Um, but yeah, now the list has almost 2000 people on it. And yes, it's been crazy. So it kind of like launched this like phenomenon. And shortly thereafter, like after that tweet, it changed from weird evangelical Twitter to the hashtag weird Christian Twitter, because I, I wasn't really involved in that. I just, I heard it was changing. I was like, cool. The, the people that were wanting to change it really came from a, a mind of like, not everyone is comfortable identifying as evangelical and we want to be inclusive. We want anyone who, you know, follows Jesus to be able to participate here. And so that's, that's kind of how it changed. So um, when we talk about social ministry, we're just talking about using social media in a way that ministers to people, which, I mean, Weird Christian Twitter did that and does that. Can you think of like a specific example of how that list beyond just like, here are people on a list together, how it went past just having a list and into ministering to each other, to other people? Yeah. So, well, I think at first, you know, adding it to a list was kind of like a, a way to say, hey, we're all in this together. And it kind of gave people permission online to start interacting with one another without it being awkward. Because, you know, on Twitter, any kind of social media, it's always kind of like the guidebook for social etiquette is not written. And so you're always like, is this too much to say to a stranger online by like commenting here or whatnot? And so I think it kind of just gave people permission to just start getting to know one another. And as, so as people are being added to the list, one thing that was really helpful was like, I was not the only person in this community that was um, trying to make community happen. This was like very accidental. There were other people probably much more so than me being more intentional about trying to build community. And so that really helped that I wasn't alone. It's not like I was the only person that started this and 2000 people. And like, there's, there's no hierarchy. It was everybody kind of just pitching in. And so um, I think a, a big thing that helped was just Amy amazing is how she says it, but it looks like just Amy Zing. <laughs> she started, she started planning zoom parties and you know, we're all, it's not like we could go to a, a Christmas gathering, you know, this, this past holiday season, because we were all socially distancing. And so we all came online. And I think naturally, like, direct messaging groups started and these Zoom calls started happening. And um, I think people just began to open up and share. And, and one thing that I noticed when I added those 900 people to the list that day, it was very apparent that there was a similar theme amongst the people. And it was, it was just the theme of deep suffering. And whether that was they were going through um, church abuse, spiritual abuse, or um, a divorce, or chronic illness, or... Um, any kind of other really hard thing. Um, it was, it was powerful. I know it was for me, even um, 
I'll, I don't mind sharing this year, but you know, I have a chronic illness and I spent a lot of time, time in my house. And so it really meant a lot to all of a sudden have people that I could just talk to at any of the hour of the day who, um, you know, it really helped me know, hey, I'm not alone. Like I, I might be hurting in this time. This pandemic might be really hard and an added stressor. I'm not the one, the only one hurting. And I think that's a really powerful thing when we're going through any type of suffering is just to know we are not alone in it. And so I think that helped quicken um, the bonds between people that um, who were hurting of like, hey, I, I can relate to that in a way. And then things just kind of naturally, organically started happening more. I don't even know if that answered your question. Oh, <laughs> I feel perfect. like I just started talking. And I was like, I don't know where that's going to end up. <laughs> I, I think about like, um, one of the, when you have that big of a group of people and you're just sourcing them from, from the vast unknowns you know it's like one of the thing that things that I appreciate is that it's um is it there's so much diversity of thought and diversity of experience and um like one thing that has ministered to me is I there are people that in my day-to-day experience I wouldn't have access to I wouldn't have access to um the kind of conversations we have and the nature of the internet is it allows, and the nature of Twitter is like, you're just, you're supposed to talk to each other. You know, you're supposed to have conversation. Yeah. But if I was to meet them out, you know, if they lived up their street from me and I was to walk up and I was to just say like 280 characters or less, some theological thought, and then just look at them and be like, <laughs> what do you think about it? They would be like, can you get off my lawn? You know? <laughs> but on the internet like you're supposed to talk like that and so there are people that I have connected with through that who um who have who are Jesus followers um but who they're um the way they practice it is very different than mine the experiences they have are very different from mine and like I think of one person in particular who's whose life I would not, I would not have had the kind of access to um, the struggles that she has and her transparency on Twitter and sharing things where um, I might think because of my experiences, I should not agree with that person on pretty much anything. I should never find common ground with that person. But maybe a month ago, she shared an article from her state and it was like this impacts me and this impacts people like me Mm. and I read that article and it was like I might have differences in thought from this person um but I can see that I can see how what happens in her state hurts her and hurts people like her and whether or not we share all the same thoughts and all the same theology it doesn't matter. Like I can see her as a person with worth and value and I can stand beside her and say, yeah, what's happening in your state is not right. And I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. Yes. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the things I love the most about Twitter. And I, I only really speak for Twitter because I'm the most active on there, but I've also loved 
that I have gotten to know people all across the theological spectrum. And, and it's changed me. I mean, it's really, it, you know, it's really easy when you're just scrimmaging against the same team with theological thoughts to think, oh man, I have this all together. But then when you start actually playing games, I'm using this sports metaphor, of course, but against someone else and you learn, oh my gosh, I have an incredible weakness here that I've, I've never seen before because I've only been scrimmaging with the people who, you know, run the same uh, plays as I do or whatnot. And, and so I, I, I think that that's been so important for me. It's exposed the weaknesses in my own theology that have needed exposing, that has been healthy, that it's been exposed. And not that I've become this completely radically different follower of Jesus, but I've become so much more ecumenical and I'm so much quicker now in my real life when someone, you know, says something um, just, you know, uncharitable about someone within another denomination or a vulnerable population, I automatically now have people in my head that I know from Twitter that are all these different kinds of denominations, all these kinds of different people groups. And it brings their humanity with me to, and, and where I've gotten to know them and I've gotten to know their heart and how much good that they do. And it's made me see how much we reduce talking points and theological points to make ourselves feel better instead of just living in the complexity of it all. And that has made me just a better follower of Jesus. Like, like you were saying, Sarah, it, it, changes, it, it changes your perspective on things and, and it allows you to listen to someone you might not ordinarily have access to in your day-to-day -day life. And and I, I love that. I love that so much. One of the, um, one of the things that we think about social ministries is it shouldn't just make you a better person online. Like you were saying, um, it should improve your faith life offline as well. So, um, hearing you say that, like it, it helps you in your day-to-day -day life with how you interact with others. Um, that's really encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, Sarah, when you were messaging me some, some of your thoughts about that, I didn't, I didn't naturally connect that, but it's only been through just talk. I guess it shows I'm an external processor, but yeah, <laughs> that's such a, a, a good point there of how, it, you know, in social media, it, it can, obviously with anything, I, I think when we make anything black and white, it's really dangerous. I love to live in the gray. I know some people are not comfortable living in the gray, but I think that that is life, is the complexity of it all. And so, you know, I'm not discounting the way that these platforms are are shaped and how, um, you know, hot takes tend to get rewarded, things that are maybe not good for our spiritual formation, but I think it's equally important. I love that you are highlighting this, of the good that these platforms can also do I mean I think back just to share a little bit more from you know weird Christian Twitter I I put out um a tweet uh, it's probably been a few months ago now I'm terrible at timelines but asking what is weird Christian Twitter meant to you and y'all I was like I cry easily so this isn't <laughs> but I was like a puddle of tears just 
seeing the different people uh, commented, a couple of people said they didn't commit suicide this year because they had a group of people online who love them and who listen to them. And that is so powerful. That is, uh, that, that is the biggest deal ever. And it, it was, it was there on down to, you know, I'm going through the, the dark night of my soul. And just to have other people on here who see me, you know, where it's been really lonely, you know, that, that really matters. That, that matters so much. And so I, I am just so grateful for you all for starting to talk about this and highlight it because it, it is really important. I feel like I've been uh, dominating the, the conversation, Hector. Where, <laughs> you still there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm just, I, I enjoy, uh, I just enjoy listening to, you know, the story, you know, cause I think, in fact, I was having a conversation yesterday with someone, um, or this week. And I just asked like, Hey, what would you share with the church? And they said, well, I just don't have anything to offer. I, I think I'm too young to offer anything. I, I, I had to push back and say, no, if you're part of this community, you have something to offer. And, uh, and so as you're sharing Katie, just about, you know, the fact is, it's like one, if you're just someone in this world, you have something to offer your voice is worth being heard. And at least once. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, just the stories and, and stories. I remember that thread um, that, that you're talking about of just, man, I've, I've got people here that like, are closer than my actual family that I live in the, the house with, or, you know, like my parents left me this year to my, to my own, um, as a, a college student, you know, in the worst year possible. And here are the people around me. I mean, just the stories upon stories of what, um, that, that list, right. This grouping of people, um, and even just the way that I've seen it used. I mean, when the uh, the big ice storm happened uh, in Texas last year, or when, when was it? Was that this year? Uh, but when it, whatever it was, it happened, and there was just you know so many people of like I I don't have anything. Um, someone put out like, hey, my son is in college. He has no groceries. He's down to his last dollar, um, and he's got no way to get to the store. And it was just like, who's nearby? And someone's like, I've got a truck. I've, you know, I've got him. Don't worry about it. And this stranger on the internet went and found this kid, you know, and, um, and just gave him groceries and made sure he was okay and wasn't alone on campus because the campus was empty, you know? And, uh, and so just the, the wonderful yeah. extension of, of what, um, what an online community can be in real life. I'm so glad you brought that story up, Hector. That was such a great just encapsulation to me of what Weird Christian Twitter is. For this college student to be, you know, uh, stuck at home and not have anything to eat, and somebody can just tweet something and say, hey, does anyone live near here? This guy needs help. And for somebody to, to respond and say, I'm 20 minutes away. I've got a truck. I can go bring him food. I mean, that can't happen without the internet, right? Like um, 50 years ago or whatever, that would not have been possible. But mm. I think now it, it even reminds me of all the money that we've been able to raise for people. Um, 
people, you know, we've, we've helped um, adopt babies. We've helped um, some who are, who are going through some intense suffering and, and needing a break and needing some help with bills. And boom, we raise $3,000. I mean, that is so beautiful to me that you, you have this collective of people, international, you know, um, people who are, who are all kind of just loosely in the same community online. And so if, if we have any type of need, we can all pull together our resources. We not, might not have much individually, but $10 adds up when 200 people give, you know, and yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, there has been a lot of good, <laughs> but I've been on, I haven't been on Twitter very long, but I've been on Twitter long enough to know that not every, not every tweet is like the happiest, most great experience you've ever had in your life. And maybe that's just me, but I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> you are not alone, sister. <laughs> um, and so, and I, and I also know that like ministry is messy, whether you're in person or online, like just ministry is messy. And so, um, Katie, have you ever experienced any messiness in this whole thing of social ministry? Can you share a little bit about that and how you handled the more difficult parts of it? Sure, of course. Yeah, I, I, I think when you get almost 2,000 humans together, there's bound to be some dysfunction and definitely conflict. I think when you get 20 people together, it could happen. So 2000, of course. And yeah, I have a love hate relationship with social media. I'm going to be honest. I love all the things that we just talked about. I'm so passionate about it. It's what keeps me online, but I, I have a very sensitive makeup. Like I'm highly empathetic. I soak people's feelings up like a sponge and I, I really, nothing grieves me more almost than seeing people in conflict, especially people who follow Jesus. And that is compounded when it is public online. And I'm aware that unbelievers could be looking at this and thinking, why would I want to join that? You know? And, um, and so, yeah, there, there have been times that, um, I've, I've had to just turn off my phone, to be honest with you, or, um, you know, I think one, one helpful thing for me when, when some things, some things have gone down or conflicts have happened, um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned, and, and I think this is the most important thing, or one of the most important things that, that we can each learn is our unhealthy tendencies uh, within conflict or within um, just any kind of, of personal relationship. And so I know myself and that my weakness, I think some people, when their wounds are pressed, they can tend to lash out at other people. Some people can tend to blame themselves. And I'm definitely in the latter camp. I have I have an issue that I continually have to work on to not take responsibility for other people's feelings. And so if there's a tweet, you know, about someone feeling left out within weird Christian Twitter, or uh, if there's a tweet about, 
you know, some people have, have been hurt by people within this community. It's hard for me not to just automatically feel responsible for that. But what has really helped me is just other people online who will call me out. And I, I remember distinctly, there was this one time when I, I did, I took responsibility for something that was not mine to carry. And someone DM me and said, Katie, she said those exact words. I appreciate your heart and your compassion, but this is not your responsibility. Like this is not, you know, you've done a good, I, I think because I, I created this list, I kind of felt like I blew this thing up, like anything bad should land on me, but that's not the case. And so at the end of the day, I have to go back to, I'm responsible for me and for how I respond to things. And um, I cannot take on the weight of, of other people. I can care. I can care how that someone feels let left out or someone feels hurt. And I do think that the critiques of We're Christian Twitter are not unwarranted. I think that if there's even 10% of some truth in there, that we each need to sit with that and honestly assess our own hearts and see if, if there's any way that we've contributed to the stereotypes or assumptions. And um, I, I think even, um, I'm going to go a little bit in the counselor mode here, but I think that I discuss the deep hurt that that is um, has been prevalent. You know, a prevalent theme within this community. And let's be honest, like <laughs> the last five years, a lot has happened uh, within our world and our nation, and not not to mention the personal lives of you know some things I mentioned earlier. And so, I think that we would be lying if none of us said that we didn't have wounds that we carry. And if we don't tend to those wounds within ourselves, um, we automatically go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, or fawn. Um, freeze is the more um, extreme version. And so I see sometimes where, where people are, are reacting in trauma responses and um, they're in fight mode, and because they have felt hurt uh, by the church or, you know, by people or, um, you know, any number of, of things that could happen, I, I feel like sometimes um, if we don't tend to that, we need to be careful to not take those wounds and bleed it onto other people instead of um, seeing the best in people and giving people the benefit of the doubt and, and doing the hard work within our own hearts. I think it's so easy for us. And it's a prayer that I pray a lot of times for myself as Lord. <laughs> righteous anger can quickly turn into self-righteousness. And when we've experienced trauma, we, um, and I'm not trying to diminish trauma and the helplessness of it and the wounds that we have, but um, we're each, also accountable for our own emotions and, and not, we can't necessarily help our emotions, but the way that we respond within our emotions. And so I think that I can easily get overwhelmed. And I know that I haven't been, I have not been perfect in this community, but I, what I ask people, and I really do mean this, if you see me say something that is unkind, that is not filled with the fruits of the spirit, that is not in line with Jesus, please tell that to me. And, and I hope that I will have the humility to 
take that seriously and to know that you love me and you're saying that and to really think about it and to be quick to apologize where I need to apologize. Um, and so I think there's just a whole lot going on that um, online, you know, I'm like, would we say that to somebody in person versus just like, you know, with our little fingers firing off and, um, and so, yeah, it can, it can get, it can get overwhelming at times. I think especially when I see things from a counselor's perspective, and I'm like, wait, I am not supposed to be a counselor on here. Like I need to put my own boundaries up. And that's where people have helped me to see that um, I, I don't need to, you know, I can easily go into a shame spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm bad. I did this bad thing. And, you know, because this person's left out, that means that I have left them out that I have, um, I have caused this hurt, you know, and so I, I am trying to not be as much of a doormat and, and, um, and work on um, separating my, what is my responsibility versus what is just 2000 humans being on the internet and this stuff being out of my control? What is a system that has been created that all of a sudden it, you know, it's kind of like it opens up Pandora's box and it opens up a lot of beautiful things like we discussed, but it opens up some things that are just, we could never have predicted, you know. That's really good. I like, um, because, you know, some people who are trying to do ministry through social media, some of them are in ministry in their day-to-day -day lives. And some of them, I mean, are just, regular everyday people and people who do ministry in their everyday lives are also regular everyday people but um but it's that um I feel like that's not the point I was going for but whatever um <laughs> but it's You're like fine. you talk about like needing to step back and needing to shut down the your your phone or your computer and um it, it can be very overwhelming um at times and I joke sometimes that I feel like, um, you know, in the, the Princess Bride, when Wesley is explaining to um, Buttercup about how he became the Dread Pirate Roberts, and he says, you know, every night he went with the old Dread Pirate Roberts, and every night um, the old Dread Pirate Roberts would say, um, night, Wesley, it's been like a, been a good day, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. You know, and I think about that a lot. I get off of the Twitter, you know, in the evening and I'll think like, good job, Twitter. Been a good day. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Like, am I going to keep doing this? Because it can be overwhelming. Um, yeah. And it's been really, oh, continue. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just the, um, there is that, there is the mess and there is that working through what is my responsibility how much of this load do I carry um, when I set down this this tool, my phone or my laptop? When I what do I walk away with that on my soul, and what do I walk into these experiences with on my soul? Um, yes. So it's it's messy, and we've talked about that. Um, but you weigh it out against all that good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's where boundaries have been really important for me to take regular breaks and and I've kind of created like a 
um, Twitter ethic in my head. I've never written it down or anything, but you know, one, one thing that I just kind of resolved to not do is to be reactive. I think, I think that there are some things we need to react to that it's important to react to, but I think that we need to use discernment. Do we need to react to everything? And so sometimes I, I can get um, overwhelmed when, you know, one subject just dominates the, the day and we're, we're just kind of going on and on and on about it. And I, especially, it really troubles me when um, we quote tweet someone who, um, you know, we feel like we should have left their, their stance or their theology a long time ago, whether it's racist or misogynistic, whatever. Um, I think that that is easy to point out and say, and this is just my own conviction. I know that there are multiple convictions and I think we can live in tension there, but my conviction is that when we highlight them in, in a very troubling, you know, tweet, we're, we're magnifying the darkness. And if we just keep staring at the darkness for so long, it's very easy not to just become the darkness ourselves. I think the much harder work is to live into uh, the reality of what we think the Bible actually says and to be, um, to actually create um, and, and live into that imagination of, uh, let's not just point out what's wrong. Let's keep, let's show the world and each other what is right and how to live as a Jesus follower. I think that's a much harder work. That takes a lot of self-control and it takes a lot of imagination. But I think that that, man, if we were all of a sudden using our online platforms to show the beauty of the gospel and how compelling the love of Jesus is, when it seeps from our head to our heart and we live that out and that when we're trying to practice the fruits of the spirit and we're trying to live the beatitudes and when we're doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly and we're showing what that looks like that is so that is so compelling that feels irresistible to me but it's really hard on social media because you know uh, a lot of us, we are tired and we're confused and we're hurting by the church. And I think that does, when we quote tweet, we are kind of um, soothing. It's a way that we can kind of self-soothe ourselves. And um, so as I know that there's a lot tied up in there, but I know t in order for me to be able to stay online, I've got to take regular breaks and I've got to also give my permission to not respond to every prayer request on there. I used to, I mean, if I saw a prayer request on my timeline, it would just, it would just soak in me like a sponge. And I would just, you know, really take that to heart. And I would, you know, message that person, blah, blah, blah. And it's okay. I've concluded for me to look at that and just to say, Lord, have mercy over this situation and to keep scrolling. Like we're, we're made with limits. God has intentionally created us to have to sleep, to have to eat three hours a day. And we're not made to every day soak up thousands of people's hurts and frustrations and, you know, all of that. We're not made to sustain that. And so we've got to create rhythms for ourselves to be able to be functional and to be able to be healthy so that we can actually help other people. You know, self-abandoning is not loving. 
self-abandoning is hurting yourself, which in turn can hurt other people because you're not, you know, being good to yourself. And so those are the things that I've just concluded I have to do for my own survival, for my own longevity to be able to make it on social media. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things that, um, that it just brings to mind is, you know, often you'll see kind of the conversation about like this whole year has kind of highlighted, you know, the need for um, just less doing, right? Especially from uh, pastoral staff, like less just doing the work of ministry and like actually existing inside of what it means to be a Christ follower. Um, and not doing just for the sake of doing and really resting um, and seeing church done in a, a way that's uh, maybe just less a show, um, you know, and I know that that's not true. You know, like there are churches that were doing that as well. Right. And that's great. Um, but I think something that you hit on is like, when you show up here, it doesn't mean that you put down your, you know, Christ follower badge. Right. Uh, doesn't mean that you put down your child of of God badge made in the image of God badge, right? Like you're still a person here um, and you've got to take care of yourself here as well. Uh, the same way that you'd be expected to take care of yourself in real life. Um, you know, there is a, a need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's so important. Well, I could talk to Katie for the next four hours. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I've loved being with y'all. Yeah. Hector, do you have any more questions? I, I mean, I really could keep going for, for four hours, but that would make a, that would be a feature length film. That would yeah. be two feature length films. <laughs> yeah. Katie, do you have any yeah, questions how maybe for us? That's a, that's a good question, Hector. I feel I feel like I could come up with a lot here. How much time do we have left? I want to honor that. Or is there a set? Anything? Sarah, I'll let you make that decision. I cleared well, my afternoon. <laughs> well, we can the um. I mean, nothing officially, Katie. We're figuring it out because we're not we're not professionals <laughs> we're not professionals so we don't even some podcaster out there well, would be like you hit this time or you or you die which we haven't heard that yet <laughs> well yeah i'd love to hear y'all's insights in into some of the more unhealthy aspects of of social media like how are y'all navigating that have you what have you learned about yourself and what, what you need to be healthy, not even just in your own life, but to be healthy online? I can go first. Um, so no, I, I really appreciate your thoughts about like being careful not to, to react out of hurt because I have failed at that uh, multiple times. Oh, me too. Uh, me too. I'm know, speaking to myself majorly. Yeah. You know, early on when I when I first was on Twitter and like none of my in real life friends knew that I was on Twitter or followed me, um, it's really easy to just, you know, spew out, you know, what I needed to. And then once I found other Christians who felt the same way, it's like, oh, I got my people here. And so, you know, as you were saying, like, it can be easy to kind of get into this place where like, I'm just going to 
Like it's cathartic and it feels really good and feels really great. But if there's not boundaries or if there's not healthy conversation and dialogue about it, um, like it can just get really bad. Um, I was one of those people that shared that like weird Christian Twitter really like saved my year. You know, like I was just, I was alone. Like I just was, or I felt that alone. I should, should be very specific to say that. Um, but when, once I had like healthy conversation and like really good, healthy conversation, both online and offline, it changed the way that I was able to like, think about my response, even when it was a quote tweet to say, Hey, there are things here that like prod at the, those wounds. And here's why we have to be careful. And even thinking about the way that we just respond carelessly because we want to be funny, right? Like, as you're saying, those hot takes and like the, the jokes and then an angle, and then like, we're just going to run with it. Not even thinking about the way that it affects people that we care about, that we talk to every day. Like forget just the random internet, but like there are people that we talk to every day. So when, we're, when we take the time to call out some weird thing that we, or something we think is weird about another denomination or another conversation that's happening, we have to remember that there are a lot of people that we actually don't know where they fall. We know some of their, their theology yeah. and some of, of their thoughts, but we, there's a lot of people that are careful about that because, because you've got people on the internet that have no mercy with that, right? Um, and so we just have to be careful the way we, we unintentionally might be treating our friends, people that we consider friends online. Yeah. Um, well, and and yeah. I think if we, one, one thing I've thought about a lot is, do we truly want to win people over? Like if we've, if we've come to a certain conviction, don't we want other people to, to, to be one to that, to, you know, for their, for their lives to embody, you know, justice and mercy and all these things. And, and if we do, don't we want to give them a path where they at least want to, like, are we not like when we just beat up, like, it's really easy to, you know, take a joke at someone else's expense, but I, I, it, it kind of pains me because it's, I've done it before. It's so easy to do, but I think, man, did I just cause them to take one step further back from, from joining us on this road? And so I have to assess, okay, God, am I doing this to prop up my own ego and to say, look how, look how right I am and righteous I am and whatnot? Or do I truly want to win my brother or sister over in this area? Mm. And, and, and I think that if, I just think, you know, we, what we think versus um, what we do can be so, there can be such a chasm between our, our head and our heart that we've, we've got to, to do things that form us, intentionally form us to be more Christ followers. And, and that includes social media. I love what you said, Hector, that you don't just leave your you know, um, Christ badge at the door, whatever, you know, terminology is like, no, we bring that ethic into this space, we should look different. And, and we're sitting here, and we have a lot of um, right critiques of the church, I think, but we have to be careful that in our critiquing, we don't just create another system that has a lot of those similar issues, because we've not tended to our own wounds. And we haven't, I, I'm so passionate that 
the power of powerlessness is an um, article I, I saw that the power of, of weakness and of being contrite and seeing our need for God, if we can, if we can let that be manifest in, in what we do of, of being quick to repent, being, you know, exuding humility and gentleness and all these things, I think we're so scared that if we do that, um, we're not exuding strength and we might not like um, our, our, uh, viewpoint of, or conviction of scripture might not advance, but I, I, I actually think that right now, a lot of the problems in the church that we've been critiquing are because, you know, the church has been trying to marry strength and power with Christ's teachings and, and they're the complete opposite. And so it's like, okay, if we're wanting to reform the church in these necessary aspects, we need to embrace this lower road, this humble road. And that includes how we do it on social media. So we don't need to take, you know, we don't need to critique the way that these people, you know, in quotations are, you know, using strength and marrying power and then just creating another form of strength and power. Mm. It needs to be completely different. And that can be the way that we quote tweet in the way. And again, we can land at different convictions, but we each need to assess our hearts and why we do it and be honest with ourselves and to think, I need Jesus as much as that brother or sister who had a horrible take needs Jesus. I need him just as much. And so I need to extend the same grace that Jesus has given me to this brother. And that doesn't mean not holding him accountable. That does not mean, you know, that we're not able to be honest. But it does mean treating him with, with that he has dignity and worth and trying to win him over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Man, you too. That's good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, do you have, I'd love to hear your insights. Well, my, for me, like the messiest part of Twitter, like I do, I do um, fairly well, I feel like um, at, but now I feel like I, you know, you pat your own back. I feel like I do fairly well at interacting with people who think differently than I do. And for the most part, I respond well. Now, um, I did recently get told to repent and I got a little sassy, but <laughs> it's hard not, it's hard not to, I mean, it was just a little sassy, but um, generally, generally I feel like that's a place I do okay with what is hard for me um where it gets messy for me is like I create content for my job I cre create content like I'm a writer um I like when I'm like what can I if I need to get a little blow off a little steam I might create a reel or a tiktok just because creating is enjoyable to me right yeah um and so I, ru I run into this struggle where like, I might, I might create, like I will have sat down this past week. I sat down and read 30 chapters of the old Testament. Cause I was just like, Oh my goodness, this is so good. I just couldn't stop. I had to stop myself because I had to get to work and do my real job, which is, um, you know, they value Bible reading, but <laughs> <laughs> eventually I got to, I got to do the other step. And yeah. so like from that reading, I, made I went and I tweeted this like like well I made two tweets out of it one like 11 people liked right and it was like I guess whatever and then the next one just kind of 
blew up. And it was like 12 or 13 words. It was real short. Um, it blew up and it's like, I've got all these retweets and all these comments on it. And I want to interact with these people and I want to have conversations with them. I can't have conversations with as many people as interact with it. And I also, then I'm thinking about what they said about it. And I think, well, yes, I mean, and I go down all these different pathways about, well, maybe I could have said this differently, or is that exactly what I meant? And I, I can't edit it, at, at least not on Twitter, because Twitter doesn't have an edit button. Um, hashtag edit button, please. Um, okay. <laughs> and, um, and so, like, eventually I figured I have to mute this because I can't, I had to mute my own thread because it was too overwhelming to me. And I was thinking about it a day or two later. And it was like, who was that content for? When I tweeted it, it was just like, I read this and this is my observation. And it was for me. But 24 hours later, that, that content I had created had become, instead of being like this, this little, little bird to fly away and tweet, you know, it was like a stone, you know, and um, you can get probably about five years ago, I, I relieved myself of the burden I had to please other people and, um, or maybe God, probably God relieved me. I should probably not take the, uh, the credit <laughs> for that, but I had this, I, I moved into a place in my life where it was like, this is who I am, you know? And God made me, and I'm going to stop saying that he, he made junk and I'm going to act like, like, I think God did a good job, um, and be okay with who I am. Um, but Twitter can, or any social media, I just say Twitter because I get more interaction on Twitter, um, more response on Twitter, but even on Instagram or Facebook, you know, the, the likes, the temptation of the, the likes and the responses can, can really quickly grab you. And I think about, um, I thought last night, like if, if Twitter existed when Pavlov was doing his tests, he wouldn't have needed to get a puppy. Like he'd have been able to, you know, he wouldn't need a puppy and a bell. He'd, he'd have done just fine. Yeah. Um, because it is, those likes can be very addicting. Um, and so it's this, for me, the messy is, um, who am I creating for and how much of my, like, am I going to allow that to define my value? Um, am I going to be, am I going to be okay? You know, do I feel like what I said in the, in the tweet that had, that got like 11 likes is any less valuable than the one I said an hour later that got, I don't think so. Um, right. But just sorting out that, um, how to deal with all the dopamine, you know? Yeah. Yes. That's a big one for me too, Sarah. Cause the, I mean that high, I think they've likened it to like, you know, being on stage at a concert, you know, that it's such a high that you get and that, and these platforms have set it up in a way that they want it to be addicting. They want you to come back. They want you to need that feel good. You know, and so I can, I can really struggle with that. Cause I, I feel like at this point, 
I, and maybe y'all can relate to this too. I know what could get a lot of traction on social media, like a, like a hot take about something or, you know, something, um, I, I just feel like social media rewards that, that kind of tweet or whatnot. And then I, I've also seen with the algorithm for some reason where, um, if I have a tweet like you did, Sarah, that blows up, then um, my username and my tweets might be shown in more people's feeds, um, you know, the next sub subsequent days. So you almost feel this pressure to keep, you know, producing content so people will see it. You can, and it can become this like rat race, this constant cycle. And I actually shared this on my Instagram stories the other night that, um, I've really wrestled with social media and the more that I learn about it, um, as well as the more that I have gotten into contemplative Christianity that values stillness and silence and contemplating the love of God and knowing that God works and forms things in us very slowly and it's not just immediate. Um, and so I think that I have felt some of this internalized pressure of why am I not writing more? Why am I not like producing more? Oh my gosh, like I need to need to be doing this. But I finally just concluded, like you, Sarah, I'm prone. I'm a pe I'm prone to being a people pleaser. And it feels as a people pleaser, it feels really good when people start liking stuff. And I can get easily into that cycle. But I know that for my own spiritual formation, at least right now, and at least um, when I don't have as much of uh, of a margin right now to produce um, writing, even though I love to write, to, to write, to write. And, uh, and I want to do much more of it um, one day. I know that right now, God really is calling me to slow down and live more contemplatively as I really just seep into my heart how much he loves me and to believe that I'm his beloved. And, and so that for me right now, it means that I'm not writing as much, um, just as I, as I work on my own health physically, especially, and then also spiritually and emotionally. And um, as, as I just kind of work things out with the Lord and realize it's a slow burn. And so once I've worked it out and I feel like I can share it, but I don't want just to I don't want to bypass like the emotional work that I need to do internally and with the people in my real life by posting something online and then getting all sorts of affirmation about something and think, oh, that's healed in me now because they've affirmed it. Like I need to, if that makes sense, I need to do the inner work myself. And so I have all kinds of thoughts on that. But for me, it just means I'm just not, I'm going to resist kind of the algorithm. And that's probably means like, I'm not just going to like, accumulate all these followers or whatnot, but I don't care. I, I, I'm, I want, I do care. I care too much. That's why I need to, <laughs> um, why I need to slow down and, and use discernment with how much I'm writing and not just not do it as much. Yeah. And I know that looks differently for every single person. So with these, with these admitted um, struggles and with the messiness that is there, do you still think that it's worth it? Does the good outweigh the bad? Right now, I would say yes. I said, don't, I actually tweeted yesterday. I said, y'all don't be surprised if one day I delete all my social media and 
I turn in my iPhone and I just give you all a PO box address to, you know, send letters to me and I can write back. I, I think that right now, yes, Sarah, especially with it, with where I am with my life, I still spend a lot of time in my house and social media has been a incredible blessing for me to not feel as alone and to feel connection. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I'm sticking with it. And I, I think I hesitate because it's like, okay, I'm placing some of these boundaries and it, it's kind of up to me. Can I uphold these boundaries that I'm still in the process of navigating? And if I feel like I'm being drawn too much to look at my phone and I can't set these stern boundaries to not let it just take over my life, then don't be surprised one day if I just, uh, you know, abandon it all because I, I want my life to matter. I want, I, I want to be able to actually ride. And I think, gosh, if I didn't spend all this time on social media, would I actually have margin to ride? And so I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but yes, right now I do think that it outweighs the good outweighs the bad. But I would also say that that question and how it's answered will be different for every single person. What do y'all think? Do you think it's the good outweighs the bad? Uh, I think, I think I, I kind of agree with you in that. I mean, Yes, there's algorithms, but the algorithms learn based on your habits. So like if you just train them hard, like basically <laughs> think about the algorithm as a puppy, like the puppy's going to do what it wants. But if you train it really hard and kind of teach it like, no, these are the boundaries and this is how like you're supposed to behave. It might get out of hand every now and then, but like you just go back to the training, you know, and so like <laughs> mute and block are your best friends. Oh yeah, 100% um, you know, about that. And then it's all about like, who are you engaging with? Who are you responding to? And not just in like, oh, I'm going to go after this hot take, but just like, hey, someone posts a photo and you comment on it. Like that person's going to show up in your feed. And so- Yeah, um, that's so true. I, I think social media is what you make of it. And as long as you know and understand what the companies are trying to do, with you on that platform um and if you're okay with that then uh maybe it's just somewhere in the gray area <laughs> hey you know i love to live in the gray it is in the gray i absolutely yeah. think this that's i mean because i've i've had good friends who have recently completely gotten off and um i've really respected that choice that they made it really made me think a lot and then i i see i mean i see both of you you guys i think really do steward your time online well i i think that you both overall exude the fruits of the spirit and i commend you for that i think that you're you're helping people and there there's a lot to be said when you know people are are hanging on because you know you you tweet encouraging things or whatnot there's a lot of good there so yeah I, I'm with you Hector. Sarah do you want to tell us why we're wrong? No <laughs> <laughs> no you know like like social ministry is my jam and um and is it is the good worth um all the mess I mean it's hard, but mm. so is any ministry. 
like um is is in-person ministry worth it is mm. um if you're really doing ministry it's gonna be hard mm-hmm. and um if you're doing children's ministry you're gonna come across kids who are um just in horrible situations you're you're gonna find that is children's ministry worth it you know if you are um working at a women's shelter you are going to come across women and families in terrible situations is that kind of ministry worth it yeah um and that's a good point i i think yes it is that doesn't mean the mess doesn't get messy and doesn't stink and hurt and um it doesn't mean that you don't have to like you've been talking about the boundaries it doesn't mean that you it means that you need to be wise about your boundaries and need yeah. to be wise about your interactions um but i mean if i didn't think it was worth it i wouldn't be talking about it you know yeah. <laughs> so, so true well i think we have been on here for a solid chunk of time solid chunk of time that's a good way to put it oh i loved it y'all thank you so much for inviting me this was a blast well thank you for coming yeah it's wild what a year what a year but i'm so grateful i mean a year ago i wouldn't have been having this amazing conversation with you two people so there's been a lot of good that's come out of it and yeah just grateful for y'all to and hope that you guys will uh, keep keep talking about it. Keep keep spreading the good. Yeah.